Welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, delivering programs from the golden age of radio. I'm your host, Mark Livonier, for this hour of mystery. Later on, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But right now, movie actor Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. This May 22, 1949 broadcast called Death is No Joke. And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, Death is No Joke. think you should go, Mr. Holliday. And why not, Susie? Well, every time you accept an invitation like this, something bad happens to you. Susie, every time someone reads that ad in the Star Times, it means trouble. <laughs> but here I am, still alive and kicking. You just better watch out. You're not intolerable, you know. Well, thanks, Susie. But did you mean intolerable? Well, sure. Uh, like Achilles was after he was dipped in the river stinks. Oh, <laughs> It was the sticks, and you mean invulnerable. Oh, intolerable, invulnerable. You could get hurt. Okay, we'll see. Oh, by the way, did you send that wire to Alex? Oh, of course I did. Oh, good girl. Well, expect me when you see me. So long, Susie. Dan! Hey, Dan! Dan! Alex, how are you? Dan Holliday. So you're still alive, huh? Oh, why not? It's a good idea. <laughs> Is this your luggage? Oh, yes, yes, just that flat. Good. My car's just around the other side of the depot. This way. Am I supposed to ask what your letter meant? Or do I wait until you get ready to tell me? Wait till we get into the car. That's it. Blue convertible. Well, you've done all right. <laughs> There's no motor under the hood. <laughs> Hop in. How's Ruth? Oh, great. Any children yet? No, not yet. Oh, now, look, I thought you'd have about five by now. <laughs> Maybe. What's on your mind, Alex? You're worried about something. I don't know whether I am or not, Dan. Look, uh, maybe asking you to stick an oar in this was, well, presuming upon friendship. That's what friendship's for? Yeah, it's up to a point. Okay, let's get to the point. Well, it's practical jokes. I knew you'd look blank at that. Well, I'm glad I didn't disappoint you. But what's the angle? Practical jokes. Go ahead. Ruth and I are guests at Bernard Trendler's. He's my cousin. You ever heard of him? Oh, yes, yes. Showed up not too long ago to claim a fortune, didn't he? Yes, that's right. He ran away from home when he was 17. He was gone 15 years. Uh, recently, uh, his father, that's my uncle, he died and left the entire Trendler fortune to him. If he hadn't been found, it would have been divided among the rest of us. But he showed up and claimed it. So? Where do the practical jokes come in? And why? Ruth and I have been here for a week and a half now. Every day, there have been two or three practical jokes played. At first, they were ordinary, not very funny, just amusing. But... But what? And now they're getting vicious, mean, contemptible. How do you mean that? Just that way. Hmm. Who's the funny man? We don't know. Any idea? No. Nope. That's why I've asked you to come up. Oh, and look, Dan, don't let on I told you. Let me do the talking when I introduce you and take your cues from me, huh? I see. I'm to be the silent observer, is that it? Well, figure it out for yourself. Could I or anyone else call in the police? No, because no one's been hurt yet. Hey, you say that as though you expect trouble in large chunks. I do, Dan, I do. Somebody's going to get hurt, and badly. Alex drove onto the Trendler place. There was nothing else he could tell me about the practical jokes. Then we pulled up before we got to the house, because a tall, thin man was walking down the drive. Alex stopped the car and spoke softly to me. That's Bernie Trendler coming down the drive. Uh, what do I say or do? How do I explain my presence? Now leave that to me. Just take the cues as I throw them. Uh, Bernie! Hey, Bernie! Alex? Is that you, Alex? Yeah. We'll get out of here. Pick up your bag later. I've been looking for you, Alex, and... Uh... Oh, I beg your pardon. Bernie, I'm afraid I'm guilty of a guest's worst crime, dragging in a friend. Oh, nonsense. Don't talk like that. <laughs> Dan, this is my cousin Bernie Trendler. Bernie, Dan Holliday. How do you do? Fine. You? I'm sorry I barged in like this, but I but I haven't seen Alex in quite a while. Dan's a writer, Bernie. I thought he might, uh, well, stop over a day or so. He's, um, he's going away soon. Is that right, Dan? Uh, oh, yes, I'm going away. Oh, of course it's all right. Plenty of room. Oh, well, thank you. It's very nice of you. Oh, not at all. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to see the gardener about a couple of things. Uh, Alex, have Elsie show Dan his room. Sure thing. Thanks, Bernie. Not at all. Uh, glad to have you, Dan. So that's Bernard Trendler. Why do you say it like that? Like that? As though you didn't believe it. Oh, I gave you that idea. Well, I don't know. 
Any man who's inherited a $20 million fortune has no right to look that worried. He has. Huh? What's that mean? There are two people in this house who hate him. Hate him enough to kill him. Well, with that, Alex took me into the house. The maid showed me to my room, and, well, I saw no one else until later that afternoon. Then I walked into the library on the ground floor. There were two people seated there. I stopped at the door. Well, hello. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, my name is Holiday, Dan Holiday. I'm looking for Alex. Oh, he's looking for Alex, Martha. All right, let him look for Alex. Have you tried looking under some rocks, Mr. Ruck? Uh, Mr. Ruck? Oh, Holiday, Dan Holiday. Oh, did you just arrive? Just after lunch. Too bad. The lunch was horrible. You didn't help it, Martha. I didn't try to, Henry. You don't have to try, my dear. Well, I suppose we may as well introduce ourselves. I'm Henry Trendler. This is my wife, Martha. How do you do? I'm Bernie's cousin. Oh, I I've met Mr. Trendler. Isn't that nice? Henry, I'm going down to the lake. Well, don't go out too far, my dear. I don't know how to swim, my dear. Yes, I know that. Goodbye. Well, nice to have met you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh... Holiday. Oh, she remembers Mr. Holiday. It's just one of her irritating little tricks. Oh, oh I see. She's an attractive woman. Is there any chance you might fall in love with her? Fall in love with her? Why, I... Why do you ask that? I'll agree to a divorce immediately. Am I supposed to laugh at that? <laughs> Anything you like. You staying long, Holiday? One or two days. That's quite enough. Of course, with such lovely people around, I may decide to postpone my departure until this evening. <laughs> oh, you love us once you get used to us, Holiday. How glad it takes a little doing. Hello there. Well, I see you two have met. Yes, we've met, Alex. Oh, where's Martha? Well, she's gone to the lake. Well, I think I'll take a little walk. Nice to have met you, Holiday. Thank you. See you later. Well, Dan? Charming people. Lovely people. In fact, I've never met two such delightful personalities. <laughs> Means you've met Martha, too. Oh, yes. And, um, what do you think? Well, if I'd known, I'd have brought my two-edged sword, the big one. Dan, maybe you'd be a little sour if you had 20 million slip away from you like we have. Ah. If Bernie Trendler hadn't shown up, you, Henry, and Martha would have had the whole watermelon. Seeds and all. But now... <laughs> Ruth! Dan, that was Ruth. Which way? Where is she? I left her in her room. Come on. Ruth! Ruth! Which way? The end of the hallway. Ruth, darling, what's the matter? I caught it in there. Alex! Stay with her, Alec. I'll see what it is. Now, dearest, it's all right. Please, it's all right. Alec, come over here. No, don't go, Alex! Don't go! Stay with you while, Ruth. Look. Dan, kill it. No, it, it, it's harmless. It's a black snake. Harmless? Close the closet door until we can get a sack for it. Ugh. Alex, is, is this the kind of practical joke you meant? This is the kind they're getting to be. I see. Ruth. Where is it? It's all right now. Come on, let's get out of the room. Well, well, what's all the fuss? Take a look in that closet. Alex. Let her look. I'm willing to bet she put it there. You're more incoherent than usual, Alex. Mr. Holliday. What? What's in the closet? A snake. Really? Well, how nice for Ruth. I'll slap that smirk off your face. Bravo, Alex. I've been thinking about it for years. Well, Henry, this is the first indication I've had that you could think for years. Oh, stop it. Uh -huh. Stop it, Alex. Get out of here, Alex. Hurry. Come on, darling. Now, what's all the excitement? It seems that Ruth found a snake in her closet. Oh, I, uh... I thought you went to the lake. You do a great deal of thinking, don't you? When I have to. Then stop thinking about me. Did you put that snake in there? I never touched the thing. Sorry. Were you at the lake? That, Mr. Holliday, is none of your business. I'll leave you to your snake. <laughs> oh, did something strike you funny, Henry? Yes. You should feel really flattered, Holliday. Flattered? Why? My wife remembered your name. Oh, it was a lovely household. Hate dripped from the rafters. I could feel it. But why should anyone take it out in stupid, vicious pranks such as that snake in Ruth's closet? Why? It was before dinner that I decided to take a walk with Alex. He talked, I listened. First it was amusing. 
frog in one's bed, clothes missing from the bathhouse at the lake, wild, incredible phone calls for all of us. How long has this been going on, Alex? Just about a week now. Have you any idea who it is? None. But why, then? Why should anyone want to frighten Ruth out of her wits? Does Martha hate Ruth? Martha hates everyone. Martha's a chronic congenital hater. But what does she have against Ruth? That's it. Not a thing in the world. Has everyone been a victim of these pranks? Yes. Dan, they've got to stop. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Oh, how's Ruth? Yeah, she's all right. We changed rooms. She won't go near the one we had. Oh, it was a harmless snake. Obviously, no one meant to harm Ruth. Oh, no. Just frighten her half to death. Why don't you leave, Alex? As a potential heir, that'd be a little ridiculous, wouldn't mm -hmm. it? I see. What about Henry and Martha? They won't leave. Not as long as they can stay here free. Mm. Well, look, you say these things started about a week ago. Are you sure? Yes. They started just like that. No warning, no talk of pranks or jokes. None. And they're getting worse. Vicious. I give up. No, Dan, please. Well, what do you want me to do? Obviously, the person or persons doing these things won't admit it. Apparently, he or she intends to go on with it until... Go on? Until... Until what? Until the person gets to the real reason. The real objective of his viciousness. Who, Dan? Who? The person he or she means to kill. And now, back to Death is No Joke. Another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Maybe I was right, maybe I was wrong. Maybe no one wanted to kill anyone. And there was nothing we could go to the police about. What do you say in a case like this? Somebody's playing jokes? And what about my host, whom I hadn't seen since my arrival? Well, I saw plenty of him that same evening after dinner. There were five of us in the library. Alex and Ruth, Henry and Martha and myself. What little conversation there had been was down to an occasional cough. Everyone was as jittery as a rookie pitcher facing the Yanks for the first time. Then... I'm glad all of you are together for a change. <laughs> Bernie, how nice to see Sit you. Sit still. What's the matter, Bernie? You look... I'm mad? I am. What's all that? A book and some pictures. Oh, stay where you are, Henry. Oh, very well. This evening, when I went to my room after dinner, I discovered someone had been there before me. Oh, Bernie. It could have been you, Cousin Martha. Oh, please, not in front of Henry. Oh, what difference does it make? Shut up! What are you getting at, Bernie? Look, this is an old high school annual of mine. Oh, no, not that. Next, you'll bring out the albums. If I remember correctly, you were the only baby who managed to look positively gruesome lying on a table. I said shut up! Sorry. What about that annual, Bernie? Every single picture of me has either been defaced or cut out. What? Well, let's see. Keep your hands off. Yes, but I only want... Now, look, Bernie. All right, Dan. Mm. Every picture. Cut out or the face. That's right. And these pictures that were hanging in my room and in the study. Look. Why, oh, you've been cut out of all of them. And I want to know who did it. I'll speak up. Which one of you was it? I swear if I find out, I'll tear his throat out. No one moved or said a word. Bernie Trendler's face was as white as a sheet. His eyes crinkled into slits that glared from one of us to the other. I looked at the others. They were scared. Yes, even Martha was afraid to open her mouth. Then after a few seconds... I warn you, I warn you, whoever's doing this... Unless it's stopped and stopped immediately, I'll do something about it. Do you hear? I want it stopped! Bertie, please, you're frightening me. I, I'm sorry, Ruth. I, I think I'm going to bed. If you're doing these things, Martha, take my warning seriously. If I were doing them, Bernie, they'd be worse than they are. Good night. And if I find any snakes, I'll let you know. Alex, I want to get out of here. I want to go home. Ruth, everything will be all right. I can't now, stand any more of this. I want to get out of here. All of them hating each other. Ruth. It's Maybe she's got some. I have. You hate Bernie. You hate my... Ruth, you... stop it. Stop it. Take her upstairs, Alex. Go ahead, please. All right. Come on, Rose. Come on. Well, I guess the party's over. I'll turn in, too. Just a moment, Henry. Yes? I hope you know I meant what I said. <laughs> Why, look at me. Get out of here. Go to your room. Thank you. I will. Good night. And close the door after you. Uh-huh. I'm sorry for that display of temper, Holiday. This nonsense has been too much. I don't suppose you have any idea who's behind it. No, but this is the last straw. I wonder if there'll be any more. Huh? Why do you say that? I wonder if this is the last joke. It'd better be. Suppose it's not. Then I'll send for the police. And tell them what? That someone's been playing jokes? Facing and ruining these books and pictures is vandalism. 
They meant quite a bit to you, didn't they? Of course they did. High school annual and photographs. Oh, when were the pictures taken, Bunny? Oh, years ago, 15, 16 years ago, when I was in high school. Why? I was just thinking. It's very strange that only those photographs of you in athletic costumes should have been destroyed. What? Let me see. You're right. That's odd. Very odd. Oh, uh, here's one of you that hasn't been destroyed. Well, let me look at it. <laughs> 17 years old. What happened when you were 17, Bernie? What do you mean? Just that. Nothing. Nothing that I can remember. But something that someone else could remember. What the devil are you talking about, Holiday? I don't know yet. Maybe I'll find out. Not being able to sleep, I went for a walk in the moonlit garden. Suddenly, I heard voices. A man's and a woman's coming from the garden house. I walked closer. I don't know why I agreed to meet you out here in the first place. Oh, you don't. Well, I think so. What do you want? Just a small, tiny cut of the 20 million. What makes you think I'd give it to you? What makes you think you won't? Lots of things. <laughs> How big a fool do you think I am? That's up to you. How big a fool can you make of yourself? Not quite as big as I can make of you. What's on that venomous mind of yours? Money. I don't mean that. Oh, <laughs> you were a fool, Bernie. A fool to bring that book and those pictures downstairs tonight. So I was a fool. Why? Don't forget that I used to visit this house as a child. I remember lots of things my stupid husband doesn't. And things other people don't remember. Such as? Well, let's put it this way, Bernie. Let's say, in those days, you were more gauche than you are now. Why, you... <laughs> I could kill you for that. You would try to kill me, wouldn't you? With pleasure. But don't try it, Bernie. Because if you do, you'll be found out. What do you want? I told you. Think it over, cousin. You have until tomorrow morning. She left the garden house and passed me. I stood in the shadows and watched her. There was a little smile on her face. Then I looked toward the garden house. Bernie Trendler stood in the doorway. A shaft of moonlight struck across his face. And if ever a face showed murder, it was his. Why don't you tell me where you're going, Dan? I can't, Alex. I, I can't until I'm sure of what I think I know. What's all the mystery? Oh, snakes and phone calls and torn out pictures. Want to ride into town, is that it? Uh, yeah, that's right. Just drive me in. Okay. But let me in on something, will you? You have to let me in on something first. What? Had anyone seen Bernie Trendler before he showed up and claimed the money in the estate? Not for 15 years. Why? Who identified him? The lawyers. He had all the necessary stuff, you know, papers, letters from my uncle. I see. Now, uh, where's the high school he went to? Just outside of town. What the devil are you getting at? Where had Bernie been before he showed up to claim the estate? South America, he said. Uh-huh. Okay, take me to that high school. What's the matter? I... Dan, something's wrong with the brakes. Try the emergency. No good. Dan, we're picking up speed on this hill. Try to shift into second. Compression of the engine will hold it back. Stay close to the left. Don't get near the embankment. What if someone's coming up the hill? We've got to take that chance. Where's the nearest side road? Yeah, there isn't any. No turnoffs. Keep your hands on the wheel. That emergency's no good. Have you got any pedal at all with the foot brake? None at all. Look, scrape the side of the hill on the left. Go in easy. That'll slow us down. Yes, but Dan, we can't... Do it. It's our only chance. Okay. Again. Keep close and keep scraping. Dan, where are you going? Look. Someone cut through the brake fluid lines. What? Well, Dan, you're crazy. Why should anyone want to cut through Did the brake... Did you tell anyone we were coming into town? Sure, everyone knew it. Oh, that's great. Alex, you stay here and warn people away from this. Where are you going now? I'm going to high school. Well, I was right. I had to be right. 
After I left the high school with the information I'd found, I went to the sheriff's office, told him my story, and piled into his car. I picked up Alex on the way back, and then returned to their house. There's Ruth. Ruth! Ruth! Better sit close, Sheriff. Alex, you were gone so long. Never mind that. Where's Bernie? Bernie? Oh, I don't know. Why? Hello, everybody. What's all the fuss? Hiya, Sheriff. What are you doing? Henry, where's Bernie? Bernie? He and Martha went out on the lake. The lake? Yes, they went rowing. She can't swim. She's in a boat. She doesn't have to swim. That's what you think. Alex, is there a boat we can use? There's a speedboat tied up at the wharf. Well, come on. Let's go. They can't have gone far in a rowboat. Dan, are you sure of what you told me? I'm positive. We've got to get to them before there's a murder. A murder that looked like an accident. Now, there they are. Get more speed out of this. I can't, Dan. Barney? Barney! Look, he's rowing for shore. Cut in ahead. I'll try to. Cut him off. Where's Martha? Lying in the boat. Cut in faster, Alex. Faster. That's it. Don't let him get to shore. Get on. Get on your ship to kill. Get down. He's jumped for shore. Now, what if he gets away? Let him. He can be picked up later. Get to Martha. Martha! Martha! Keep this boat alongside. Yeah, it's just knocked out. He got away. Now he can't get far. Bernie, Bernie, don't. I, I won't tell. I... It's all right, Martha. He's gone. Oh. Martha, Martha, you're all right now. He, he was going to kill me. Yes, I know he was going to kill you. Because you knew he wasn't the real Bernie Trendler. <laughs> start to... But I... I couldn't do anything about it. Are you uh, all right now, Martha? I mean, uh, are you all right? She's all right, Henry. I'll get it. It's probably the sheriff. I... Hello? I suppose I should oh, thank yes, you, sir. Mr. Wonderful. Holliday. Wonderful. That might be nice. Thank right, you. Goodbye. They got him. Alive? Yes. You're right, Dan. Will someone please explain all this? The real Bernie Trendler is probably dead. Killed by the man who passed himself off as the real Bernie. Uh, isn't that right, Martha? I don't know anything about it. Martha? Oh, all right. I knew he wasn't the real Bernie last night. When you realized the pictures were defaced, cut out. Yes. Bernie Trendler was left-handed. What? By George, that's right. Why, I remember now. You see, all those practical jokes were leading up to the destruction of the pictures. He couldn't get rid of them without attracting attention and suspicion. So he took the elaborate way out. The jokes would have stopped once he'd destroyed those pictures. But what about the high school, Dan? I, uh, I saw pictures there of the real Bernie in a baseball uniform with a baseball glove on his right hand. But well, how could he hope to get by with a fraud? Well, he did. Remember, the real Bernie was missing for 15 years. But what made you think of it, Dan? I mean, the left-handedness. Well, uh, let's say the real Bernie was... Gauche in those days. Oh. What's the matter, Martha? Why, nothing. Nothing at all, I hope. Oh, gauche is French for left, isn't it, Martha? Yes. Yes, it is. Well, is there anything else to tell? Why are you two looking at each other like that? Well, I... I was just wondering how much I have to thank Mr. Holliday for. Well, let's say you've already thanked me for everything. Someplace and someone tries to kill you. Mm-hmm. Tried to by cutting the brake lines because he thought I'd guessed. Oh, and just think, those two nasty people will get all that money. Oh, not all. Alex will get his share, which is all I care about. And you didn't tell what you heard in the garden house. Now, why should I, Susie? Well, I think that's carrying Chevrolet too far. Chevrolet? Oh. <laughs> Good night, Susie. <laughs> 
Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville, with this week's original story by Oren Blackstone. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. Part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker, and production is supervised by Vern Carstensen. Box 13 is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. Box 13, untuned to yesterday from May 22, 1949 on the Mutual Broadcasting System. If you were listening to that broadcast at the time it was on the air and wanted to see Alan Ladd in his latest motion picture, you would have had to have waited a few weeks for an adaptation of The Great Gatsby, in which Alan Ladd starred alongside MacDonald Carey, Ruth Hussey, and Shelley Winters. You're listening to An Hour of Mystery on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Levonier. Next, a broadcast of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Bob Bailey stars in the CBS episode heard on December 13, 1959, called The Sudden Wealth Matter. Johnny Dollar. Hi, Mr. Dollar. Hi, yourself. Who's that? You know, Jimmy. Jimmy? Sure, up here in East North Wilden. East North what? Oh, well, I'm sure it is, but now you haven't told me, Jimmy, who? Jimmy Carter. You remember the artist. Artist? I helped you solve that case about the crook you were looking for up here. Remember? Oh, sure, in East North Weldon, Massachusetts. Yes, sir. Well, what are you calling about, Jimmy? I can help you solve another case, Mr. Dollar. Can you? What kind? adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The station to which you're listening right now is an affiliate of the CBS radio network. That fact makes several important differences in the kind of radio service you receive whenever your dial is set here. Take the matter of news. Over this station, you hear frequent reports gathered by the foremost broadcast news organization, CBS News. Reports supplemented by the prospective commentary of such distinguished newsmen as Edward R. Murrow, Lowell Thomas, and Eric Severide. In addition, of course, this station provides you with late local news so that you may keep up with what's happening in your community. You hear top dramatic programs, comedy, variety, and music to fit your every mood. In addition... This station provides you with further listening entertainment, courtesy of your favorite local broadcast personalities, plus the cream of today's crop of top songs. Well-balanced, highly listenable broadcast fare can come to you only through teamwork, the kind of teamwork made possible by the combined resources of CBS Radio and this station. And now, Act One of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Amalgamated Life Association Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Jimmy Carter matter. It was only last fall that I'd gone to the sleepy little town of East North Weldon up in Massachusetts to run down a heavily bearded man who'd stolen some money a while back from a furniture plant. It was little Jimmy Carter who'd really solved the case for me by drawing some hair and a beard on a poster. A poster of the bald-headed, clean-shaven mayor had shown him up as he looked before as the criminal. Sure, I remember Jimmy Carter. Well, yes, sir. That's why I'm spending my own money to make this long-distance telephone call from the telephone booth here in the drugstore. Because if you come right up here right away, I can help you solve a murder. Who's, Jimmy? But if that murderer ever finds out that I know who he is, well, well that's why I think you better come up here right away. Yeah, well, uh, Jimmy... Parkinson, I see. I'm talking kind of fast because I used up all my money in this telephone, but, but Mr. Dollar, I saw this other man throw him off that bridge. Did he know you saw him? Oh, I don't see how he could help it, but he didn't do anything about it, so, well, maybe he didn't see me after all. 
All right, what's the name of this other man, the killer? Well, his name is... I'm sorry, sir, but your three minutes are up. Well, gee, there's all the money I have. I'm sorry. Operator. Okay, I'll hang up there. The name, Jimmy. Goodbye, Mr. Dollar. Will you hurry up and come? The name of the killer. Goodbye, sir. No, reverse the charges. Jimmy. Operator. Operator! Expense account item one, ten cents. Phone call to the auto club for some rod information. Item two, another dime for a call to Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. It was pretty early in the morning, but fortunately he was in his office. Yes, Jimmy? Hey, Pat, listen. Yeah. I'm driving up to Massachusetts fast as I can. Well, good for you. Listen, will you? What? Andrew Parkinson. Get that? Yeah, Andrew Parkinson. About him. Uh, well, he died a few... Well, that is... He what? He died, and... Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be an accident, but I... Well, anyhow, he's dead. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, easy. What's this all about? I want to know who his insurance company is. You're a clearinghouse for that sort of information. That's right. Well, would you see if they have a representative or an office up at East North Weldon, Mass? East North Weldon? That's right. It's just east of North Weldon. Oh, no. You know, up north of Fitchburg. Oh, that place I have heard of. Well, somebody in that company called it accidental. But listen... I have reason to think it wasn't. What? So if I can contact whoever it is up there... And listen, Pat, there may be a kid's Johnny, life at stake. Johnny, this is about as confusing as anything. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Just get me the name of the company that insured the life of Andrew Parkinson. Well, whatever you say. Good. But it may take a couple of hours. Okay, just get it for me. I'll call you when I get up there. <laughs> Item three, four dollars even for a tank full of gas. By the time I got to Fitchburg, it was a little afternoon, thanks to a slight argument with a highway policeman along the way. I made another phone call, item four, 55 cents. Pat McCracken. Did you find out that insurance company for me? Oh, uh, Johnny? That's right. Ah, yes, yes. It's one of the smaller outfits, Johnny. Does a lot of rural business. Amalgamated Life Association. Okay, thanks. Policy on Andrew Parkinson was issued by their local representative, Mr. Waldo Bottomley. There in East North Weldon? That's right. Good. And the company's report on Parkinson says that his death was accidental. It's already been reported? Mm-hmm. Well, when did he die, Pat? The day before yesterday. And a claim's been filed? Yes, yes. $10,000 with a double indemnity clause. Wait a minute. Who's the beneficiary? Uh, Lucius R. Weatherby. Same town. Okay, thanks a lot. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, Johnny. Tell me what all... Wait, nothing. I tell you, a kid's life may be in well, danger. what does a kid have to do? Sorry, Pat. I gotta hit the road. <laughs> finally pulled up in front of the combination drugstore and mercantile at the one business corner in the village of East North Weldon. One of the local citizenry, looking slightly into the weather, sat on the rickety porch of the store, hacking away at a stick of wood with an old pocket knife. Howdy. Hiya. You uh, happen to have a little drink about you, sir? No, but listen, where's the little boy who usually sells newspapers around here? Yeah? His name is Jimmy Carter. Yeah, that's right, sir. Jimmy Carter. Well, have you seen him? Do you know where he is? Seen him this morning. But he's not around here now. Nope. Do you know where I can find him? Nope. Do you know where he lives, where his home is? Uh, yeah. Well, where? Up the street. Oh, sure. What street? Spruce. North Spruce. And the number? 18. Okay, thanks. Uh, listen, my name is Johnny Dollar. If you see him, please tell him I'm looking for him. Johnny Dollar, eh? Yeah. You, uh, uh, got the price of the drink on you? Some other time. Just be sure and tell him. Right. My name is Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, where is he? What have you done with him? What? Jimmy, my son Jimmy. He said he had to talk to oh, me. Oh, well, he did. That is, he called he me on the phone. He was sitting around the house like he was sick or something all day yesterday. And he tossed and turned all night in his sleep. Mrs. Charlie. And this morning he jumped up from his breakfast. Only he wasn't eating any of it. And he said he had to see you. He had to talk to you. He said he'd be right back. All right, now and listen. that was early this morning. So when he didn't come back, I went to the school, but he wasn't there. So I went down to the corner where he picks up his papers every noon from the bus. 
But he hadn't been there. You're sure? The papers, the bundle of papers, they were all still there. Now, listen, Mr. And he Carter. hasn't come back here. Something's happened to him, Mr. Dollar. Something's happened to Jimmy. <laughs> Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Coming up to ten gallons, Mr. John. There. Check your oil filter and air filter. My pay is $1,000. How's that? Well, haven't you heard about Pram's big silver treasure hunt? Oh, yes. Heard something about it over my car radio this morning. What's it all about? Well, a regular filler check is so important that Fram Corporation is paying $60,000 to get car owners to check their filters now. $60,000 in cash? Yeah, this is Fram's silver anniversary. Last year, 10,000 secretly numbered Fram filters were distributed all over the United States and installed in cars during regular servicing. You may have one in your car and not even know it. A Fram filter cartridge worth 1,000 silver dollars. And if you do, I get a thousand bucks, too. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's check those filters now. Hurry, folks. You could win up to a thousand dollars in cash. Join the big Fram treasure hunt. Check your car filters now. And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Jimmy Carter matter. <laughs> cute little kid who'd help me solve an embezzlement case up in a small New England town with the unlikely name of East North Weldon, who'd call me on the phone to report a murder. But when I got there, Jimmy was gone, disappeared. Jimmy said he was going to talk to you, Mr. Dollar. But that was early this morning, and he hasn't come back. What did you do with him, Mr. Dollar? Where is he? Well, I... I haven't seen him, Mrs. Carter. But he said... Well, he, he telephoned to me down in Hartford, asked me to come up here and see him because he... Well, he asked me to come up and see him. He idolized you, Mr. Dollar, ever since you were up here last fall. And when he said he had to talk to you, I thought you were already in town again. But I wondered what he was so anxious to see you about. Oh, well... And he's been acting very strangely the last day or two. Ever since poor old Mr. Parkinson oh. fell off the bridge and was killed the other night. How well did he know this man, Parkinson? Oh, as well as he knew everybody in town, Mr... You don't think his disappearance this way could have anything to do with Mr. Parkinson being killed? Oh, well, what, how? How could it? I'm sure I don't and know. doesn't everybody say Mr. Parkinson's death was an accident? Yes. Yes, they do. Still. Oh, now stop worrying, Mrs. Carter. Jimmy will show up. If he doesn't, I'll find him for you. Oh, dear. Sure. I... Jimmy's okay. He'd better be. Jimmy had said he was calling me from a booth at the drugstore. As I drove back to it, I noticed the name of the proprietor on the sign of the flyspeck window. Waldo Bottomley, the man who Pat had said was local representative for the insurance company. There you are, Mrs. Atterbury. You just told him to take one of these every two hours. By tomorrow, he'll be all right again. Yes, sir? Mr. Bottomley? Yes, sir. My name is Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. I've heard of you, sir. All right, good. Now, look. But if you're here in connection with the death of Mr. Parkinson... Yeah? Well, in addition to representing Amalgamated Life Association... Oh, and the claim on Mr. Parkinson's insurance has already been sent down to Hartford. I know that. Well, I'm also the coroner hereabouts. Then it was you who pronounced his death as accidental? Yep. After Dr. Herbert examined the body for me. All right, now listen to me. Mr. Parkinson was an old man, Mr. Dollar. Had trouble with his feet. Eyesight wasn't so good either. Mr. Bottomley. So when he tripped against that old railing on the bridge the other night, and the railing gave way and he fell to the rocks... Did anybody you know of actually see him trip and fall? Well, no, sir. Well, I think that Parkinson was murdered. And if I can find little Jimmy Carter... Jimmy? Have you seen him today? You know where he is? But now that you mention him, Mr. Dollar, he should be back from school by now and selling his paper. I asked you, have you seen him at all today? Early this morning he was in. Yeah? I changed a lot of pennies for him into nickels and dimes and quarters. All right, and then? And then he left. Hey, haven't you got a... Isn't there a phone booth here in the store? Booth is out the door, Mr. Dollar, around the side of the building. Then you wouldn't have seen him if Jimmy went out there to make a phone call. Only one might have seen him is old Lucius Weatherby. Lucius Weatherby? The, the town drunk. Wait a minute. 
You're talking about that old character sitting out front? Oh, I've asked him not to sit there in his condition. But now that he's... Well, you see, Lucius is the beneficiary... Yeah, wait a minute. Lucius Weatherby is the beneficiary of Parkinson's insurance. Yes, as I was about to say. No wonder he wouldn't tell me anything about Jimmy. What's that, sir? So he killed Parkinson to collect the insurance. Jimmy saw him. What was that? Bottomly, I have a few questions I'd like to ask that Lucius Weatherby. Now, now, wait, sir. Yeah? If you expect old Lucius to remember anything... You bet I do. Plenty. Then you'd best take along this bottle of medicinal brandy. What? Yes, sir. That'll be three seventy-five. dollars Well, break it over his head. Now, but you don't understand. No. He can't remember a thing unless he can't remember... Mr. Dollar! All right. All right, Weatherby. Honey, you uh, change mind about buying me a little... I Where's Jimmy Carter? What did you do with him? She don't mind letting go of my collar, sir. Come on, start talking. Uh, Jimmy. That's right. Where is he? Uh, well, sir, I, I, I seen him this morning. You told me that before. Now, what did you do with him? Well, nothing, sir. I swear. He came out of the store this morning, went into that phone booth. Yeah, he did do that. Yeah, and then what? What did you do? Uh, now, sir, if I had a little drink, I could remember better. Oh, right, old son, answer me. Well, he went off in that car. Car? What car? Uh, well, he didn't want to, but... Who? Well, Who made him go off in a car? Well, if I could just remember, it was a man. Come on, who? Uh, somebody I know. Yeah? I'm sure I could remember if I had a little drink. Are you listen to me, you lion? Well, you the truth, Mr. Dollar. Oh, sure he is. Yes, sir. But if you give him a bit of this medicinal brandy to refresh his memory, truly... Okay, let me have it. That'll be three seventy-five, if you please. Okay, okay, here. I'll get you the change. No, Father... Because if this doesn't bring the truth out of him, so help me, I'll... Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Pepsi lately. And now, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. The town drunk who could only remember things with a drink under his belt. If you ask me, that's a lot of hooey. Nonetheless, item five, 375 for the bottle of what the local druggists call medicinal brandy. Old Lucius Weatherby started lapping it up. Might be fine, sir. Mighty fine. All right. Now, listen. You listen to me. I'd better let him have a little more, Mr. Dollar, if he's to remember properly. Yeah, a little more. Oh, and here's your change from the Lucius, five dollars. you say that when Jimmy walked out of the phone booth, he drove away with somebody. Yeah. Against his will. Yeah. Your change, Mr. Dollar. Uh, forced little Jimmy right in his car. Who forced him? Well, now, let me, uh, let me see. His name was, uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, you know him, Bottom. Think, Lucius. Think hard. Come on. Yeah. Now, listen, you old son. I want to... Ha Harvey. Huh? It was Harvey. Harvey who? Uh, Bottom, you know. You know everybody. Harvey Willman? Uh, Harvey... Uh, Willman. Yeah. Who is he? Well, he's not one of our more respected people, Mr. Dollar. Respected? Yeah. And come to think of it, I believe he was a distant relative of Mr. Parkinson. What does he do? Where does he live? He does nothing, really. He was always trying to beg money from Mr. Parkinson. Never got it, though. Anybody else? I asked you, where can I find him? Where does he live? With Wynn. That's right. On the old farm out on Winter Avenue. You can tell it by all the new machinery out front. Okay, I'll see you later. Oh, your change, Mr. Dollar. 
On the way out to Harvey Woolen's farm, I suddenly realized that for once in my life, I'd forgotten to bring along a gun. Judging by all the equipment out front, Woolman must have gone through the Alice Chalmers catalog and taken one of everything. But the farmhouse was nothing but a one-story clabbered shack. Half hidden at the back of it was a beat-up old sedan. Come on, open up, open up. Jimmy. Jimmy! All right, Wilman, open up this door. I'll break it down. Wilman! Okay, brother, you asked for it. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, are you okay? Where's Harp? Behind you. Back at the door. Don't move, daughter. I was afraid the kid got that phone call through to you. Too bad for you, he did. All right, look, woman. No, don't, Mr. Dower. You, 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 I know he will. He was going to kill me. He's still in. The kid's right, Dollar. Up against the wall. Face the wall. Put your hands up high against it. Go ahead. I'm not carrying a gun, woman, if that's what you're worried about. That's something I'm going to find out for myself. Yeah? Yeah. That could be a mistake. I got it! I got the gun! Ah. Jiu-jitsu, huh? Not this one! <sighs> oh, well. Jimmy, it's okay now. Everything's okay. He was gonna kill me. He was gonna kill you. Oh, look, you, you, you and I kind of stopped in this tracks, didn't we? Hey, you know something, Jimmy? Now you're a real hero. Because this time you trapped a killer for me. for a new sports jacket without holes in it. Yeah, Harvey Woolman had managed to get off that one shot. Item seven, $61 even, a brand new bike for Jimmy. Why? Because he saved the company from having to pay double indemnity. Expense account total, including mileage of my car, $117. Unless you'd like to tack on a little extra fee. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. star will return in just a moment. If your 1957 income was more than $5,000, last year when you filed your federal income tax report, you had to use Form 1040, the long form. Those who earned 5000 or less were permitted to use the short form, Form 1040A, if they chose. This year, the Internal Revenue Service is offering taxpayers a new Form 1040A, a simplified form with only 15 lines to fill out. The most important difference about this new form is that those whose 1958 incomes were $10,000 or less, and if you take only standard deductions, you're now permitted to file your return on the new short form 1040A. If you earned over $10,000 during 1958 or intend to itemize your deductions or other income variations, the long form 1040 must be used. The Revenue Service again reminds you to be sure to attach all W-2 withholding tax certificates pertaining to your earnings to the form you intend to file. Send your return to the District Director of Internal Revenue at the appropriate district office. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, San Francisco, a wonderful town. Yeah, for a murder. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Dick Beale, Larry Dobkin, Forrest Lewis, Edgar Barrier, and Jack Crucian. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. 
A father goes to extremes to protect a demented son as suspense follows next on the CBS Radio Network. W-O-W, Albany, New York. Everything is going at Henry S. Mantel's in Latham. Everything must be gone by Tuesday night. Going, going, everything must go. Yes, the values are going at Henry S. Mantel's of Latham. Mantel's is closing its Latham store forever. Everything is being sold at cost or less. Save up to 87% of these famous names. Simmons, Haywood Wakefield, Kramer, Lane, and many others. Here are just two of the fantastic values at Mantel's. A three-piece Kramer curved sectional living room suite, regularly $279.95, now $148.77. Inner spring mattresses, all sizes, regularly $29.95, now $17.95. Come out to Mantel's and make an offer. No reasonable offer refused. Remember, Mantel's of Latham closes its doors forever at 10 p.m. Tuesday, March 31st. Convenient terms and free delivery within a 100-mile radius at Mantel's of Latham. South of the Latham Shopping Center, open until 10 p.m. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, on Tuned to Yesterday from December 13th, 1959 on CBS. And the curtain comes down on this hour of mystery on Tuned to Yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Past. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Lebonier. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.